Welcome back to Season 4 of Pathways by Grenadian STEAM, the podcast where we chat with West Indian professionals at home and in the diaspora who have worked in one or more of the fields of science, technology, engineering, architecture, or mathematics to understand what led them to choose the path they did, the successes, failures, and learnings they've had along the way, and in general, what careers are out there. This season, in addition to debuting full video episodes on YouTube and Spotify to help you feel more engaged, we will be including our members, both students and professionals, in the conversations, inviting them to share their own thoughts, ideas, and experiences on the topics brought up by our guests. This is in an effort to encourage and normalize discussions among people of all ages and levels within society. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed the journey on today's pathway. Today's guest is Cameron Dufont, a proactive disaster risk management specialist, environmental engineer, project manager, and technical leader. Cameron holds a bachelor's degree in environmental engineering from the City Colleges of New York and a master of disaster management from the University of Auckland in New Zealand. Over the years, he has amassed experience working with local, national, regional, and international partners on policy issues, disaster risk reduction, climate change adaptation, sustainable development and projects design, implementation, monitoring, and evaluation. Cameron recently served as technical officer with NADMA, the National Disaster Management Agency here in Grenada for a number of years, and its equivalent organization in St. Lucia, NEMO. He has recently transitioned to more of a focus on his consultancy in different aspects of disaster management. Cameron, welcome to Pathways. Thank you. Thank you very much. And it's a pleasure to be here. I'm actually very, very excited you know, to speak about the different subject areas and to share my knowledge and experience. With you. Well, it's great to have you. I can't wait to get into some of it. All right. So as we get started here, we're just going to dive into a few quick questions to give people the overall framework of who it is that you are. All right. So first, where exactly did you grow up? Oh, so um, I was born, born and, and grew up in, in, in Boca, which is the, the Northeast St. George's. All right. And can you tell us every school that you attended from childhood up to this point? Started off at, at Bolio RC School and then I graduated. Well, I went on to Presentation Brothers College. I remember that year I was like maybe the first, I was the only student from that whole constituency to go to, to Presentation Brothers College. Oh, wow. And at, so, you know, first year in Form 1, very few friends, you know, um, that kind of stuff. And so, yeah. then I, after Presentation Brothers College, I went on to TMI Show Community College, City College of New York, then the University of Auckland. Okay. And as a student, so we're thinking about your primary, secondary school days. What kind of a student were you growing up? Proactive, determined, ambitious. Okay. And what was your first job or the first thing you ever did to make money? I think we took a similar program at, at TMI Community College. Uh-huh. Um, that was a building technology construction. Right. At the end of that, in our internship, we actually had to work. Mm-hmm. So that's actually my first time earning, earning money. And that was actually doing some construction. Okay. It was actually the application of what we learned within the building technology yeah. program at TAMCC. Where did you actually end up doing your, your job training? His name is actually Eddie Lawrence and Associates. Okay. Yeah. Nice. It's a small construction firm at the time. 
Got it. And your current job or profession, how would you describe that? Well, it's, it's actually fun. Disaster management is fun. Um, it's lots of challenges, lots of variables. But, you know, we have to um, try and make the best decisions based on the information we have available. Okay. So that's all about Cameron, how he started out, how he, where he is now. And now let's dive into a little bit more about how you got into the stat disaster management and, and your experiences so far. You mentioned you went to PBC and then TAMCC. You did building tech. What was your initial thoughts on what you wanted to do after you left school? So when well, I left TAMCC in 2003, after doing building technology, mm-hmm. while doing architecture, I noticed the importance of a civil engineer. So I was like, if I could do a bit of architectural drawing, then better I become sighted, become a civil engineer. And after Hurricane Ivan in 2004, there were some part scholarships to go to the US. So I took to City College. So I took the opportunity to study civil engineering. And while there, I got um, more insight about environmental engineering, which is uh, which was was an evolving field at the time. Yeah. I think our class was made the first to graduate at City College. Okay. So then I um, I moved from civil engineering to environmental engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole idea to keep the ecosystem together and all that kind of stuff. While studying um, environmental engineering and started working in the field, then I I started get developing a love for helping people, which is actually um, a big part of disaster management. And then when you start getting into, into the theoretical aspect and all those things, you realize it's not just about helping people, but about frameworks, systems, processes, and it helps me put everything into perspective that, that I've learned. Right. You basically discovered this field after you had already started on your path or where you, where you thought you were going to go. So is there anything that you discovered about environmental engineering um, or disaster management after getting into it that you didn't really expect or you didn't know about? Yeah, well, I, I think part of it is, is a shock, like in terms of people respecting people within the field, hmm. um, in, 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 in the Caribbean and so. so. What I've learned a lot of it is, is policy driven in the sense that um, a lot of countries, the focus is, is actually on, on um, development, hmm. but you know, some country, another country will say development at what cost? The amount of experience and being impactful as, of, as an environmental engineer has a lot to do with um, the countries you operate. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I've learned as an environmental engineer. What I've learned in disaster management is that developing relationships in peacetime is, is very critical in disaster situations. And um, I know about that even as recently as in St. Vincent respond to that volcano and so um that's one of the areas that's what i one of the what i've really learned in terms of disaster management okay so taking it back a little bit when you were going through that first degree undergrad environmental engineering what were some of the things that you were learning about oh um a lot of you know um the hazards how, how they how they are formed so it really gave like um the earthquakes and so how you'll you'll be able to measure a lot of those different types of hazards and so okay we looked at a lot about water quality mm-hmm. environmental impact assessments we did some hydraulics some hydrology and air quality was actually a big aspect too like living in an urban city and so 
So okay. it gives a, a very holistic um, understanding, which actually provide a kind of platform for disaster management, because based on the hazards, you know what to do within disaster management to reduce the impact. Right. So then once you completed that first degree, correct me if I'm wrong, but you then returned home? Yes. Pretty yes. soon after? Okay. Yes. So then how were you able to, what was your experience in, in then returning home and trying to apply the knowledge that you had gained? Yes. Well, um, well, I would not trade the experience for anything. Returning home, you know, the challenges of actually trying to get a job within your field. Mm-hmm. Just, just a lot of challenges to actually get your feet wet. Okay. Right. But once you start getting your feet wet and then you start getting, like once you get a job, your dream job and so, and you start applying knowledge and so, then um, the feeling, you know, you start having a, a greater love and appreciation for the field. And as I think someone advised me before, like sometimes it's better to work in your field before you do a master's in it. Because when you actually go do the master's, then you know specifically which problems you want to solve and so. Right, right. That's something, honestly, I, I don't have my master's yet. And that's something I've always said that I, I don't want to just jump into a master's just for the sake of it. I want to have a, a passion for it or, or a reason for why I want to learn a specific thing. Yes. So you talked about um, like being able to find your dream job when you came back and, and getting your feet wet. What was even available to you at the time? Well, it, uh, that's a very good question. Um, fortunately, I was able to work with, with, with NADMA. Actually, I came when I went back home from, you know, I, I taught for a little bit before I got into my field. Okay. Right? Yeah. Some of the opportunities that, that were available is actually to, to work within the National Disaster Management Office or to work to make a volunteer with an organization like Red Cross. What I've noticed from returning home is that sometimes you may need to work on a on a national level, then try to move on to a regional level, then okay. an international platform. Okay. So you said you had taught for a couple of years before getting into NADMA. Then did you just, how did you get into NADMA? Was, this, was it just an application? I think there was a freeze. There was actually um, a freeze within, a freeze on, um, on um, hiring. Okay. Before working at NADMA, I was trying to get to, within, trying to, get to work within the Ministry of the Environment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, applying over and over and over and over and then, you know. But yeah. uh, my situation was simply a transfer because, you know, I'm on a permanent establishment. So while I'm working with, with different um, consultants and so, within NADMA, I've, I noticed that what they have that I don't is really a master's in order to do consultancy and so. So that's okay. why I saw the need for me to go and get the master's with the experience yeah. and be able to do consultancy. Okay. So you saw that once you started working in the field itself. Got it. Yeah. All right. So for those listening who may not understand exactly what, what you do as a disaster management professional, what does the job entail? Because it's, um, it's not every day that we're in a disaster, right? So what do you yeah. actually do, as you call it, during peacetime? Uh, so you can, disaster management, the best way to put it is like you actually have to run the country in worse situations. So in peacetime, you have you need to make sure you have all the systems and processes and everything in place. So whenever there is an impact of any event, the system can just kick in and function um, smoothlessly. And when the system starts functioning, you look for at ways to improve the system as quickly as possible. Okay. So just to get an idea, disaster management is very broad. We have the preventative response recovery sites that those were the main sides of it so um, you can be working within any under any team any day but it's very fluid 
is working 24-7. Um, any hazard can happen in park anytime. And people expect you to be able to respond. Yeah. Is there other a lot of drills or how do you create a system and then know that it will work before the disaster hits? Well, first of all, we must identify that the specific hazards that can impact the actual location. Okay. And then you actually look at, at um, mitigative measures and so forth, specific hazards. But within the last few years, you have seen how, much, how disasters will have expanded to include um, pandemics and all the other types of hazards. And that's really a concern because with um, the economic disaster, also with inflation and so, you may want to ask yourself, how can countries respond, you know, if the island's impacted by a hurricane at, at this stage? You know, if people have to buy food, the cost of food, the cost of transportation, the cost to rebuild. Right. Those are the things we have to think about even futuristically as, as disaster management. Mm-hmm. So we always have to be thinking about ways to improve the system as, and all the type of disasters. Because if you think about, about it from your perspective, no matter what type of disaster, we, there's expectation from NADMA to respond to it. That's true. So, well, here's a question. How do you define disaster? Because if I think about it, I think of, you know, volcanoes, hurricanes, large-scale natural disasters, earthquakes, things like that. Um, but I'm sure that there's smaller, more everyday scenarios that would also require your type of expertise. So what are some of those things? And a disaster is simply when, whenever the system becomes overwhelmed. Okay. So if you have someone die within your family or so, that could be a family disaster. You could have community disasters, village disasters, national disasters, and so It's just whenever the system becomes overwhelmed for, for a period of time. And then the purpose when you declare a state of emergency is to restore the situation to normalcy. Got it. Okay. Good to know. So how exactly do you define the word disaster? Okay. So disaster, you know, um, is whenever a system becomes overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So usually you have a, a hazard which has a potential to has a, any um, negative impact. Okay. And then um, whenever the system becomes overwhelmed, so a hazard can be a earthquake, volcano, um, hurricane. It can be also man-made um, by negligence or so. So a hazard is whenever a system becomes overwhelmed, which has um, negative, negative, consequ- negative consequences. Okay. And I'm happy you asked that question because um, sometimes people, they may not, they use the words interchangeably, which is a, a crisis, a disaster, emergency. So it's, it's very, yeah. Well, could you explain that difference for us a little bit? Well, emergency is always on a smaller scale. Okay. So you have a smaller scale. Um, a disaster is when you may have a, a national impact mm-hmm. and a crisis when when you have beyond a national impact. So if you remember Irma and Maria, when you have five, six countries affected, that will have been a, a sort of regional crisis. Okay. But if one country is impacted, then it is considered a, a, a natural disaster. Okay. And then what is a disaster for us in the region would not be a disaster for in another part of the world. As in that wouldn't exist. So like other- yeah, Because, because of the scale. Case. Because, like, for instance, in Hurricane Ivan case, we only had 39 mm-hmm. persons who died mm-hmm. um, when the hurricane impacted. Mm-hmm. And another country may say if only 39 persons died, then that's not a big disaster. But Got it was it. a major impact to us. Right, right. Okay. It's, it's very subjective. Yeah. But these are a lot with scale. Got it. Okay. 
So based on all of that, what are some of your observations on how disaster management is handled here in Grenada in the Caribbean? And you could use, you know, the recent eruption in St. Vincent or Ivan, COVID, any of those things as examples. Yes, disaster management in the region. Well, there is an umbrella body, which is called CDEMA, the Caribbean Disaster Emergency Management Agency. And they are the ones who more or less create a framework for the other islands to follow. Okay. I believe um, there is up to 19 participating states within the CDMA system. So that's a system that, that governs disaster management within the Caribbean. What I have noticed is that the system that, that we use in the Caribbean, it needs to be more agile. And it needs to be, there, there needs to be a, a, a research component that will help improve the system as quickly as possible. Disasters are occurring faster and the system is changing. So if disasters are is our piece in the system, then we're creating a bigger disaster. But what, what I can say specifically about disaster management in Grenada is that there needs to be a, a great focus on, on the human resource okay. to making sure that, that we have um, the, the right fit in, in, in key areas. Mm-hmm. Because running a country on a day-to-day level is one. But when you have to make decisions on very short notice, with limited information, it, it becomes very difficult. So you more or less need the cream of the crop to work with. And then, you know, there must be some level of um, budgetary allocations to make sure that the persons, they can actually function. And communication, communication is very important from the ground up and from the top bottom to make sure that um, there's a flow of, inf- of information and so so that, reso- so that resources can be allocated properly. Right, and that's something have you seen the responses? Because I know you've worked also in St. Lucia and so on across the Caribbean islands to be somewhat the same or is there a big difference? Before we get to that question, I just want to, with disaster management, go on the tie in the St. Vincent Party a little bit. Okay. As an example. So um, as really specifically to, to St. Vincent, the, the, the relief operation in St. Vincent, having established relationships in peacetime is very critical because we have the politicians that talk to each other from country to country. Right. And then we have the technical people who have to get the systems working. So the policymakers, they will make, they'll talk to the regional partners, they'll talk to the, the missions, different places and so. So one of the benefits of that system is a synergy because my experience in St. Vincent is that when I've worked here, started erupting. Because I've been to St. Vincent a few times, that's something else people have to consider with, with the carriers, like in my case, I've been to most of the Caribbean islands. So if an island is impacted, you know, you have an idea of where it's impacted, the people, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it really helps with disaster management when you have to make decisions, right? So specifically for St. Vincent, when I've walked here started erupting, well, first of all, we'll have get information at our office that um, there are a lot of tremors and so. Yeah. So once there are tremors, we can start activating, you know, what needs to be done and so. Okay. And then, then you have all the what if questions. What if this? What if that? What if the volcano? How long is it going to last? And all that kind of stuff. And so, and then, you know, thinking about the volcano erupted, then you have the water supplies cut off. And Grenada is really like a staging area. What well, was really an area for a staging for, um, for St. Vincent. And then you also have to consider the actual Grenadines. So I think, I believe about 32 islands. So you have to think about from, Union, Myro, Canawan, Bequay, all so like you have to consider you have all these factors to take into consideration. Right. And you also have to keep in mind 
this may be occurring within a pandemic and all those things. And you have to be pre- prepared for hurricane season. So the point I'm making is that disaster management is very, very complex. And having a good fundamental understanding of disaster management really helps. And to make a recommendation, New Zealand, which I, where, where I choose to study, um, they are very advanced in terms of their knowledge. If you notice with this pandemic, the, we looked at a lot with New Zealand, what New Zealand is doing, what New Zealand is doing. You know, they are a female prime minister, you know. So all those things is what I must see with an disaster management that is very, very complex. But having a lot, having a good understanding in peacetime, it really helps operations when um, a disaster kicks in. And so all of this work you did with St. Vincent, that was as part of NADMA or SIDIMA or what was your role? That was part of, of NADMA. In terms of, and then even Maria, with Maria in, in Dominica. Okay, um, is that the NADMA equivalent? No, no, Maria is actually the something that impacted Dominica. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yes. So Maria having to work the operations too. And what I must mention, sometimes you have to build systems along the way, because that's one of the areas, one of the gaps within our system, I, I must mention. We have, we have a lot of documentation, but few people read in the documents. So whenever we're impacted by any particular disaster, people may not know what to do. Yeah. So then we have to be reading, staying at top and actually building the system as, as we go along. And that's why we incorporated even the prisoners to help us pack those barrels and sort of ship off to, to Dominica. Okay. And while on that, I must add also um, with Marian Irma mm-hmm. that Grenada was the first country to ship aid to BVI, right? And th- that's some of the decisions that we have to make because when some of the planes flew down to Grenada to escape the, the hurricane up there, and then when they were flying back up, you know, we had to make the decision that whenever people, even though they have people meeting they have money up there and so, but when you need water, on a day you need some water, you really need it, you know? Yeah. So we just packed the planes and those were the first relief to, to be sent to, to BVI from Grenada. Okay. So it was like a, a real-time response to what was happening and what resources we had available. So that's why it's, it's very critical in peacetime mm-hmm. to know what resources you have available to have key human resources, to have, you know, capital and KCD to, mm-hmm. to move your goods along and so, yeah. and, and relationships. Wow, that's a good example. And then lastly, I know you'll be cutting up. As it relates to specifically to St. Vincent, we have, so sometimes, like, um, I, I remember specifically Guyana, because that's when the environmental and all them things come in to kind of really understand it. I have to be understanding, the, you know, the, the situation to the best of your ability to actually make decisions. So um, Guyana had called and they want to know, can we fly our planes to Grenada with relief, the bigger aircrafts, and then take the smaller aircraft and fly over the, the aid to, to, to St. Vincent? Yeah. But then they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it because um, there was a no-fly zone over St. Vincent at the time. So the point I'm making is that within disaster management, you have a lot of variables, and the variables for St. Vincent is different to a pandemic, is different to a hurricane, is different to an earthquake and... Yeah, that's a lot. And so it's in any of these disasters, it's never one. You can't just consider the local. Like You can't just consider Grenada's situation because you have to think about things getting into Grenada and where they have to pass through and all of that. Yeah, yes, that's a lot. And then also um, in terms of sharing knowledge, mm-hmm. because I know Barbados had reached out as it relates to, you know, um, with the, the volcanic eruption in St. Vincent. They've never had to... Things it's not a volcanic volcano. island. True, true. <laughs> so, you know, um, that's why I said, um, and having that, that relationship where I could, we could call the director and say, you know, and there's a lot of synergy among the directors and so on, usually the technical people. So 
disaster management, that's one of the main strengths within disaster management within the region. But it's really strengthening. We need to have the system agile yeah. to improve to cater for the needs of, of, of our people. Got it. Okay. All right. So you mentioned that you um, got into the master's degree because you had started working and you realized that you know everyone around you had a master's and they were then able to do consultancy. So what was your next step once you made that realization to actually choosing a degree? And then how did you end up at New Ze- in New Zealand, of all places? Yes. Of all places. <laughs> of all to places. Be like, <laughs> yes. So New Zealand, when I decided to apply to do the master's, I looked at New Zealand mainly because well, I didn't know anything too much about New Zealand, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But um, I noticed they have similar hazards to the Caribbean, like with the earthquakes and so so it was between New Zealand and Australia that was really offering Commonwealth well, scholarships. Okay. So it had kind of limited limit the focus. And if you want to study disaster management and do um, proper research and so, then it's best to get a, um, a world-renowned school. And um, it happened to be in, 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 in New Zealand, Auckland, the University of Auckland. It's one of the business decisions that I made going there to study. It was a full scholarship from New Zealand government. So I must thank the taxpayers of New Zealand for that. <laughs> but um, it was really a wonderful experience because New Zealand has a wealth of knowledge. They believe in creating knowledge. I have no regrets. And very important, whenever I choose a study, which I'm learning now, is that it's important to study in, in, in places or at institutions that is accredited. Mm-hmm. Because if you have to move like to the UK or Canada or, or wherever, at least your qualification would be recognized. True. All right. So now we'll maybe take a little bit of a shift in the conversation because in preparing for this this chat, you noted that you you made a shift yourself out yeah, yeah. of maybe mainstream disaster management into into this new role that you you call it following your passion. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to get too much into it before we actually started talking here because I wanted to uncover the story with the audience keep listening we'll be right back after a short break this season of pathways is brought to you by telesford countertop and general construction services your number one source for quartz and solid surface their services are not only limited to countertops their team builds homes cabinets vanities does 3d images renovations and quantity estimates telesford countertop and general construction services mission statement is pride and delivery upon customer satisfaction. Contact them today at 435-0133 to get started on your construction project. So tell us a little bit about what you're working on and what the pivot point was for you that created that shift. So what I'm working on right now is moving from from STEAM, as we know it, to being in, um, did an iteration on it and creating a new form of STEAM. Okay. And I hope um, one day can be reflected within your whole, whole organization. Okay. So the, the, the STEAM, as the acronym stands for, is um, Science, Technology, Engineering. I see you put in architecture, but I say arts and mathematics. Yeah. And as the world continues to evolve, we notice that there is a shift in thinking, there is a shift in mindset, there is a shift in, um, in the learning, the way we do things and so so the new steam is actually sustainability because any project that we focus on, it must be sustainable. Technology, if we have products and so to make sure it can reach our clients. E for entrepreneurship, 
a lot of people are entrepreneur are engineers, but if they're not entrepreneurs to sell themselves, and so they just end up being bright persons who have to work with for people. Okay. The A, I'll switch it from architecture to arts. Okay. <laughs> and then um the M is is more for um mathematics. I like the DJ, so I'll say music with it. Okay. But um, so that's that's the main focus. The main focus is how do I put all my skill set together okay. into form a one Cameron, a one me. And I've been working on um developing the next the necessary skill sets, building my capacity to function within that new role. Because you may agree, if we have to go back to school today, a lot of what we learn, what we learn will be new. And even when we graduate, and so we have to continue to be evolving and changing and so. Very true. So this is your take on STEAM. This is the Cameron Dufont STEAM. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. So you mentioned that you are doing some work with basically opening pathways for pathways, no pun intended, opening up paths for local farmers to get their produce out on international markets, mm-hmm. right? Um, so what is that that you're working on? Yeah. So if you notice, there's a big shift in the world to more natural products and so organic products, mm-hmm. right? And then from my understanding of these asset management, that again, the, the whole issue of food security, yeah. I got informed with CBOS by assisting farmers, you know, how to use more environmentally practices and so for the drying process and so. And when I had to do research to help them develop a proposal, I saw a little about the health benefits of CMOS. And within disasters management, I believe that CBOS would be the relief food because CBOS yields so much. And yeah. I, I firmly believe that CMOS is a food that can feed the world. <laughs> okay. I haven't heard but, that one before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and then when I looked at the sustainable development goals, CMOS is able to fit all of them. <laughs> so, I think it's just a matter, a matter of time before the world started recognizing CMOS. Similar to Barry Water, people start recognizing all the benefits once people are able to do the research and so. Yeah. So, that's why I'm focused on the CMOS start. But Grenada, we have a lot of products, a lot, a lot of products on Ireland that um, has a lot of nutritional benefits and economic gains and so. And my focus working with vulnerable people, the farmers and all those people, is really to have access market. And once people have economic empowerment, then they're able to do as much as they want to help build their resilience and build their capacity and so. Yeah. So does this project you're working on, it's called Revivify? Yes. That's a company, that's Revivify. It's actually a company registered. Okay. Um, because we're going through all, all, all the entire legal process mm-hmm. to make sure everything is done properly. Right. So Reify is a registered Canadian company okay. that will that is responsible for distributing Grenadian products globally through the platform, nice. the internet platform, and so. So, in addition to just the distribution and and um, I don't know if there's a manufacturing aspect of it. Does that include some type of research into all these different benefits that you were talking about? Yeah. So that's why I'm happy about doing this project because even as an environmental engineer, I'm having to work with the CMOS in a, in a whole marine ecosystem and so. Yeah. I'm able to apply a lot of my knowledge because we work with from the farmers to provide customer service and so. So through the entire process, we have to be working with, with um, all the key stakeholders and so. So everyone along that value chain, basically. So my, my main role is, is quality assurance. Okay. 
And you have a, a processing plant in Canada that you work out of, or? Well, the, the system is actually evolving because we have to know their requirements and actually meet their requirements. Mm-hmm. But um, so far, we have some stores and so that actually taken the product already. But the, the bigger company, the bigger stores and so, you know, is a longer process and that kind of stuff. But we are willing to do what it takes to make sure we have product grenade on the shelves, you know, Good. in North America and other places. Yeah. And then just to add, because being proactive, you know, this will actually help reduce vulnerability because if people have more money, they're able to build stronger houses, they're able to, you know, so it, it helps in terms of the preventative side of disaster, which is a shift because most of our time is that most of disaster management is known for response, mm-hmm. but in terms of building economic resilience for persons to be better prepared for disasters. So the preparation side of it. All right. So... What do you think at this stage, and you may not have that foresight, but what do you think the next five to 10 years could do for your career? Or what do you, what do you see for it right now? What, what direction do you want to take things? Okay. I'm happy that you asked that question. Currently, right? Um, the, the Caribbean is a bit tricky, and I think young persons should be aware of this. Like, we like what's foreign. We like what's foreign, right? So... Being a Grenadian or so, you know, um, like I, I had interviews last year, December, to be an advisor to the province of Ontario, right? And then I was unable to receive to, I believe I didn't get a job because I'm not a Canadian, for instance, mm-hmm. right? I had interviews with, um, with UNDP and sort of head disaster recovery for nine countries. And I'm actually a, di- a disaster recovery specialist. That's my area of focus, recovery, right. disaster recovery. So I, I believe by by billing myself through the whole consultancy and so. We already know if we work in disaster relief, we have a, a food to feed the people, which is CMOS. So creating that awareness and so. I believe in the next five years, most of what um, that I've been working on is going to come together. And for people to have a, a better understanding of what's taking place. You know, I like know I warned the people, warned the people, warned the people, and then they didn't listen and we see what happened. Yeah. Because the whole idea of food security inflation. So I, I believe in five years time that um, a lot of what I'm working on will come to, um, to fruit, will bear fruit. And I firmly believe that as a Grenadian, we can move Grenada and make it the Singapore of the Caribbean. We have, um, if we look at, at our natural, just from a renewable energy, we have the potential for geothermal, for wind turbines, for all, all kinds of different energy. So we have where it takes as a country. So I'm, I'm hoping that if Grenada decides to move in that direction, that can be part of it. But as an individual, I'm open to work any part of the world that have a disaster. And right now the world full of disasters and so. Okay, I see. And what is a piece of advice that you would share with a young student who's coming up either looking to get into a similar industry or maybe just trying to find their way? Advice. Well, I have a godchild. I always give her all kind of crazy advice. Okay. Let's see. <laughs> um, she's in Form 5, actually, in, in Convent. Uh-huh. So I, I believe mentorship, mentorship, and maybe through your platform too, um, offer a lot more mentorship because we have a lot of students are actually limited in terms of um, scope, in terms of understanding what's out there. The world is changing very quickly. Jobs and so as required is, is changing as, as quickly, you know? Yeah. So with the right mentorship, persons would be aware of where the world is trending so they can choose their carers along those lines and so and all the other aspects you know the passion the love and make sure you can pay your bills at everything so. yeah 
Speak mentorship, people. All right. Well, Cameron, I think this was a really interesting conversation. I'm really glad I got to finally sit down and talk. And I hope that those listening or watching were able to take something from it and will maybe do some research into disaster management if that's something they might be interested in. Thank you very much for, for having me here. And I'm one happy to be to be back to answer any question or so. I'm also um, open to to mentor anyone, to provide assistance, any advice or so that, that person may need to, to take it to the next level. Uh, so what's a good place Thanks. that people can reach you if they have any questions? They can send me a, a, an email, Cameron Dufon at, at Gmail. I'm, I'm very open to mentor persons to provide any advice. If persons have interest in doing a master's and looking to go study in New Zealand, I'm not sure if the boys open up with the whole COVID, but any advice um, in terms of the career path and, and so, you can just send me an email and then we'll take it from there. All right, great. Well, thanks again. And to the listeners, thank you for joining us on today's Pathway. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. We would absolutely appreciate your comments and feedback as we try to make this podcast more beneficial for you, our listeners and watchers. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please take a minute to press the review button, let us know how we're doing, and let others know that this is something that's worth their time. We also love to see your comments and engagement on social media, so head over to the post and let us know what you think about this latest episode.